0: Welcome to Slayer Fest 98. I'm your host, Ian Carlos Crawford, and today I'm joined by a special guest co host, freelance writer, and my UK crush.
1: Aww. Oh, hi, guys. I'm Philip Ellis. Um, and our guests today are uh, freelance writer,
2: Manuel Batancourt,
1: and writer, illustrator, and I am reliably informed, unicorn, <laughs> Terry Blass. Hi.
0: And you're both first time guests. Yes. Terry, would you like to start us off with your Buffy origin?
3: Sure. Um, on this very latinx eccentric episode, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's not a glamorous intro or anything. I loved the movie. You know, I saw it when I was like 14, 15, whatever. So when I heard that this, you know, new network WB was going to make a Buffy show, I was like, all right, I'll, I'll check it out. It's not Christy Swanson, who, by the way, is crazy like conservative now. But anyway, yeah. yeah. Um. I was like, sure, I'll check it out. So I did. I saw, like, the first episode when it aired. I was... In, it imprinted on me, like, in such a crazy way. I was 16 when, you know, Buffy was 16. I was in the same grade as her at the same time. Graduated high school the same year. Um, and I was living in a small town, like, you know, and high school was hell. So it just, like, seemed to click. I I never missed an episode. Like, ever, ever. Um, I Until I... I uh, was forced to be a Mormon missionary when I was 19 and then I cried cause I knew that I was going to miss like seasons five and six as they air. Um, but, but girl, I found a way. And uh, cause you know, when you're a missionary, you're not supposed to like watch movies, TV, um, listen to music, all that stuff. And anyway, I only know that from you uh, telling me
0: that Terry. <laughs> that
3: is the, kid. so, you know, imagine me. It's like, it was like torture. Um, So when I finished my mission, I came home, I bought the DVD box sets for five and six, watched them all the way through without doing anything else until I'd seen them all so that I could watch season seven air, like live as it as it was being broadcast. And yeah, I guess that's my Buffy origin.
0: (laughs) Nice.
2: Manuel, do you want to give us yours? Sure. Mine's a little bit sort of very similar. So I grew up in Colombia, and so we had a bunch of satellite channels and one of them probably was the WB, which was, we got the, like, the LA version. Um, and so I watched everything that was on there. Like I watched Charmed, I watched Smallville. And one of the things that I watched religiously was Buffy. And so I watched it from the beginning, also from the first season, which was like a mid-season replacement. Um, and then I had to find, just like Terry did, sort of a way to keep watching once the show moved to UPN. Because obviously then it wouldn't be on, on WB, but I went the pirated sort of version, downloading all those episodes on Napster back when that's Yes! To <laughs> um, and to me, yeah, the, the reason I always gravitated and continue, I, I think, to gravitate to Buffy is um, that I love the mix of wit and humor and horror and the way they was using metaphors about high school and growing up and depression in really sort of great, funny ways, because that I felt, like, as a queer boy the metaphors made it easier to relate to. Um, so I could think of myself as this blonde high schooler who was really funny and quippy and strong and smart and sexy and, keep- and had all the boys around her. <laughs> and, keeping, and keeping a secret, too. <laughs> keeping a secret about your desires and how... I, this is why I love season two, is this, the, the sense that desires will yeah. uh, undo you. And I think that that was the season that I truly just fell in love for, for the show. And I've, I've never looked back... <laughs> wait, Manuel, did you it was satellite so you were watching it in English? I was watching it in English. Yeah, cuz cuz otherwise I would have to wait, you know, the the show then aired on Fox Latin America and then it would it would still air in English, but it would air with subtitles and I hate subtitles cuz I didn't need them. Um, so I was watching everything in English. I
3: saw it in Spanish once, and it was Buffy el Casa Vampiros. (laughs)
2: La la Casa
0: Vampiros. (laughs)
3: Yeah. Oh, God. Well, gender, you know.
0: Mm -hmm, Uh, mm -hmm. My grandma never watched Buffy, but because me and my mom would talk about it so much, she'd always call her Doña Buffy.
3: (laughs) Oh, my God. That's amazing. That's who she is for me for now She'd either
0: call her that or El Buffy, because she'd be like, oh, the two of you always talk about Buffy. (laughs) Doña
3: (laughs) Buffy. Oh, my God.
0: Yeah, so, um, talking about the depression part of Buffy, um, leads us into today's episode. We're here to discuss season 5's Forever, which is a very depressing and miserable episode. (laughs) Thanks for having me. (laughs) Yes. Oh my god. So, the episode begins with a little bit of a fake out, but, like, I feel like any, if you're watching the show, you know what she's doing. She's walking through, like, a dark room looking at caskets. The show tries to pretend it's like a. Ooh, is the mu-
3: it? The music really tries to fake right. you out there.
0: <laughs> um, but, like, you know, if you've been watching the show, it's like, oh, her mom just died. She's looking at caskets. Um, which also, I couldn't remember what episode. Isn't there a season seven episode that starts with her looking around at coffins, but, like, she actually finds a body, isn't it? Isn't there one? I don't know.
1: That is season seven. I think it's when she's first sort of taking Dawn out on patrols and stuff, right?
0: Yeah. I remember there being like her looking in coffins and finding one and staking like maybe an older lady. A vampire, yeah. Yeah. Well, Um, weren't
3: they all hiding? Weren't they hiding in coffins? Like I think Xander was hiding in a coffin or something. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. Mm. Because I skip I Was Made to Love You, the body, and this episode anytime I do like my own rewatch just because... (laughs) Not because I don't like the episodes, but just like I... Don't need to be emotionally drained so much. You yeah. don't need to
1: do that to yourself. Yeah,
2: <laughs> I'm just like. what's funny to x out all of Joyce's death when I rewatch it. Like, mm. I it's funny because I usually watch the body, but skip this one. And I think <laughs> the reason I rewatch the body is because I it's it's fantastic. But the reason I skip this one is because I always forget what happened. So I I actually hadn't seen it in years. I like vaguely remembered what happened, and I was like, oh shit, this is like a lot darker and more depressing yeah. and more sort of soul crushing than I than I, than I remember.
1: There's a lot more going on in this episode than I ever remember. Um, so I mean, yeah, re- same wa- here. When I
2: sat down and rewatched it today, I
1: was like, oh, I forgot that Angel stands up in this episode. I forget that this yeah. is the episode where, not to get ahead of ourselves, but this is the episode where Glory learns the key is a person. It's yeah. sort of this great, it's like a sequel to The Body, which was a real chamber piece. right? Um, and then it connects it, it connects like the Joyce storyline to the rest of the season. It connects it to the glory story and the um, the kind of ongoing arc of the season. And it's sort of, yeah, it's like this weird like sequel or like connective tissue. And But it also still manages to tell its own self-contained story, um, which centers on Dawn.
0: So for The Body, I had watched uh, my old DVDs, so I watched the commentary. For this one, I, I kept thinking of how in the commentary for The Body, he says he was very concerned with, like, the quote-unquote boring parts of losing someone. And I feel like this episode definitely touched right? Cause, like, yeah, it, right? Because, like, they looking at a casket. Yeah, they're, like, looking at a casket, which is, like, not something you normally see in, like, a especially a Supernatural show where people are dying all the time. Um, we don't usually pause to get, like, them looking at picking out caskets and then them going well, to the funeral and burying people.
3: We get that in the second scene, too, not to get ahead of ourselves, but, like... You know, they're talking about in mean, the wake and like all this boring stuff and, you know, that you have to go through.
0: Um, yeah, I mean. And a,
3: a lot of people have died in this show, but this is the
1: first time you actually see the money show of what that involves. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Um, and I, I do think it's important, right? I think that it makes. Because I felt like if we had just. Because clearly Intervention's the next episode, and that episode's more mm-hmm. funny, right? The Buffy Bot mm-hmm. is like funny and like saying silly yeah. things and. If we had gotten that right after the body I don't think that would have
4: No. Well.
2: There was a 3 week gap in between the body airing and this airing. Mm. So I think like it, it was also a way of sort of thematically harkening back to this like very traumatic thing that you were again for those of us who watched it live like it was so traumatic and so then we had a breather and then you're sort of like plunged right back in and being like no we're not yeah. moving on right away. we were like picking up almost right where yeah. the body left off.
3: Yeah, it's something I really appreciate about Buffy because I feel like they, you know, a lot of other shows, if this had been season three, you know, Buffy would have shown back up into town and everybody would be like, cool, you're back. But they do a whole episode about how that affects (laughs) how that affected everybody. And I think it's important to do, like you said, Ian, to do this episode before they get back into maybe a funny one, because we dealt with the initial shock of Joyce's death. But like after that, how do you deal with what's gone on in, in different ways? Like everybody is kind of doing it in a different way in this episode.
0: Yeah. Um. I mean, I'm always a Dawn sympathizer. I don't know how y'all feel. But... I
3: never was. Oh and I, no. am, I am now.
0: <laughs> like, it's
3: weird. I feel so bad for her now. I hated her when, like, the show was running. But now I just think about, like, all the stuff that she has to go through. And then, you know, later on in the next season, like, you know, losing her mom and then losing her sister. You know, being raised practically by Willow and Tara. And, like, all the emotional stuff. I would be crazy. I would have gone nuts.
4: And
2: but... she does.
4: Yeah,
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm. I, I was never a Don. I was also quite not taken with her, and I think part of it was like the way she was written. Like she was yeah. written to be a bratty teenager, and a bratty teenager is sort of like she's grating and she's a lot and she's very intense. Like in this episode, and I feel like the braided pigtail I was just going to say that she, she looks so much like a child, and I think right, it's very intentional to make her right. Like she's lost her mom, and even though we know she's not real, we know that she's just like. have been created it really makes you feel for her a little bit more
3: yeah it's very Um, intentional she rarely has her hair in pigtails like that so i feel like Mm -hmm. that was definitely for a reason
1: i actually feel like in this episode i i felt like this is a there's a lot of the writing that's like rehab for dawn's character i think maybe because this is apart from real me earlier this season this is the first episode where a lot of it is is told through her perspective I mean, Buffy's hardly in this episode. She's in like, Buffy has two big scenes. You know, she has a scene with Angel and a scene with Dawn at the end, but really this is Dawn's episode. It's like, we're taking a break. Like, you know, like the body was a a break from what the show is usually about. And then this is similar in that we are stepping away from Buffy's perspective and looking at this world and looking at this, you know, trauma through the eyes of a much younger character. Um, And it comes up over and over again, how like sort of, you know, the adults don't really know what to do to say or to do with dawn and it's like i mean yeah she's she's over the top and whiny but like in a way that's very relatable
2: <laughs>
0: man i feel like you're like no not me i'm never whiny but... <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm,
2: I'm very 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 whiny i'm probably like i was probably more like dawn than i than i like to admit um but the idea like a, a dawn sort of being her persona sort of being rehabbed or her character sort of giving a little bit more more sympathy because i think the backlash even was immediate when she sort of came out. Like, yeah. that she was this character that was sort of like disrupting the season and disrupting sort of the, the dynamics. The other thing that I noticed here is that a lot of that rehab is also part of the Spike character rehab. And it struck me, I think, for the first time, Dawn was the only character that they could do that with because she was the only character who we had never seen alongside Evil Spike.
0: That's true. Yeah. That's oh, true. Yeah. Because, like, even though she like- technically was there, she we never saw it, so... Exactly. Okay, well, before we get off to that, um, so then we get the scene of them at the kitchen table. I really like seeing the, like, Fantastic Four, so to speak. Like, it's Willow, Xander, and Giles surrounding Buffy. You know, they're very much picking up the, like, what they need to do as, like, her chosen family, as her best friends. I don't know, I really like those type of scenes, um... But it's really, for me, it was really heartbreaking hearing Dawn like quietly whisper, I don't want to be here. In the commentary for the body, Joss says that he made sure to have, like, I forget I'm not a film person, so I forget what kind of camera they used for Dawn at the end, where her close ups were more extreme and everyone else was like a group shot in the hospital to make, to show that she felt more isolated. And they do a good job with that here, too. I mean, I feel like as adults, we can understand what Buffy's doing, right? She's, not to quote the show later on but she's going through the motions right she has to she has to buy the casket she has to figure out what they're gonna do for the funeral these are like just things she has to do but dawn also feels completely neglected and i kind of sympathize with both of them right
3: yeah there's a lot going on because i feel like in a way buffy probably doesn't want to burden her young sister with all of this stuff but by doing that don feels like she's not included or gets to make any decisions yeah. i mean the the previous scene when they're picking out the coffin is the first time that the title of the episode is stated by don where she says that joyce has to be in this coffin forever yeah and mm-hmm. so i think she's saying you know she's trying to say like i don't want to be here because you're not including me like i'm not a part of this and that hurts me yeah. And, yeah. you know i interpreted
1: it as she doesn't want to be here because she just doesn't want to be in that house without her mom like it doesn't feel like home oh, yeah. without joyce there
3: i think that's something great that the show does is that like they could say something and it means so many things like yeah. um i mean not to veer off track but how much does their dad suck oh my god oh my <laughs> god uh, i love that they, this... had to ha-
1: they had to have that line to kind of just right. like out, like logic yeah. and, and to, to show like well logically he would be in this right he would be in this yeah. episode like he sucks <laughs> it would be a less interesting show if their dad was like a a good guy who kind of stepped in. Right. Mm
4: -hmm.
2: Yeah. It it always seemed like a narrative necessity that he needed to be away and he needed to not exist. And the show has these moments where like the story comes up with like, he would necessarily be there. So they always have to like write this one line that reminds you like, Oh, he's a shitty person. And also we're not going to hire an actor and we're not going to hire a guest star.
3: (laughs) Had he stepped in and like stepped up, then this episode wouldn't have made as much sense like for the story, you know, for the story. Right. If Dawn had like a loving parent who was to step in and, and, and
1: take care of her and Buffy, then yeah, you're right. This episode yeah. wouldn't have been written. I mean, I just want to say about this, the scene at the kitchen table where they where Buffy and, and Giles are kind of making plans. Um, it, it struck me when I was watching that. I was actually the same age as Dawn when I lost oh, my dad. Oh my God. And it, you know, it just it struck it, it really really struck me as very very realistic um, as sort of being like the youngest and feeling like you're being excluded from the decision making around funerals and and all and all that. But then also being like, well, if I was included though, I wouldn't know what to do or say. Yeah. So, like, I want to be part of this, but also <clears throat> I don't, and I, I just feel like I'm being shut out. And so maybe that's why I was maybe a bit more forgiving towards Dawn being.
3: Well, there's this episode. <laughs> there's a moment in the scene where Dawn you see that she feels very sad that she doesn't know everything about her mom. Like, what Buffy and, her yes. had con- like, Buffy and her had conversations. She's like, when did you guys discuss this? And she's like, well, we had a discussion. And, you know, when did mom say that? And I think that that is almost, in a way, it's almost Don's, like, Anya body moment. Where she's like, you know, she's never going to have fruit punch anymore. She's never going to, you know, she's never going to do all these things. But also, I didn't know everything about her when she was alive.
4: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's that moment of like, oh, I didn't know that my mum said that. And also, I'm never going to get to ask her about that or have a conversation about that myself. And it it just makes it, again, so much more real. Um, And it's sort of when you're coming out of the numb shock and you're like, oh, no, I'm just literally never going to speak to this person again. Yeah.
3: I do want to say that the thing I noticed most about this season, because I'm, or about this scene, because I'm that person, is that Willow's wearing a very hideous olive green animal print <laughs> velvet button <laughs> cowgirl shirt. Of course <laughs> she is. <laughs> maybe wear the Maybe wear the blue now,
2: since you probably found it.
1: Willow like, uh, is kind of the worst in this episode in a couple of ways, though. Oh yeah. Uh, well,
2: it's and in that sense, like this more than a template for the rest of the season. This is a template episode for season six.
3: Yeah, it's it that's a like, lot
2: better. And it. What it, what it it was written and directed by Martin Noxon, who took over like right. executive producing duties for season six. And so, that makes like, so much sense. All the DNA of everything that I think happens in season six is like all of it is here already, and yeah. sort of it's it's percolating, and then it sort of becomes the, the, the major storylines. Yeah. But a lot of it, right? Like you get a lot of hints of like Willow and Tara's very different approaches to magic, how to deal with yeah. you know resurrecting a person. Like you're you're very much in all of these like beats that he revisited in the next season.
1: And the drudgeries of adult grown up real life as well. Um, mm-hmm. You're absolutely right. Yeah, it's like a blueprint for season six in, in so many ways. Um, so then we get the, the scene with Spike bringing the flowers and his lovely little speech about, you know, I liked the lady, and I just—I've just written in my notes, <laughs> Spike and Joyce. Aww, I, lo- I know that kill. That's
3: that's so sad.
0: So I, this is where I know Spike's a problem. I understand this, but I do have like a problematic soft spot for him, and I just get—for uh, me, I get more mad at Xander in this scene, uh, and I'm just like, just let him leave the fucking flowers. Jesus Christ! Like, why are you going to get into a fight on Buffy's lawn? While she's inside being depressed with her sister, like, everyone relax. I just want all of them to shut up and just let Spike put down the flowers and everyone Willow
3: alerts him to the fact that he didn't leave a... You know, he's not doing this to be... To get attention from Buffy. Right. He didn't leave a card. You know, I just... I don't know. I have weird Spike theories and ideas. I was never that huge of a (laughs) Spike fan. But I do feel like... I do feel like his... I don't know how else to explain it other than... I feel like his personality dominates the demon that's inside him whereas angelus doesn't Do you know what i mean like like to me that says that his personality like your personality is almost like your soul like he needed to go get his soul later but he seemed to be able to control some of those impulses better because his personality was stronger it's almost like harmony in that angel episode where she's like I don't have a soul. I have to try a lot harder. Yeah, <laughs> and then all of you, and that that See, shows that it, that with some with some effort that you could kind of overcome some of those things. So it, it was always this re- weird, wishy washy. We have to keep Spike around. Let's make him good. Let's make him bad. Thing that I can only reconcile with his personality it dominates the demon.
2: <laughs> See, to to me, it was always a lot simpler. And I remember I was never a big Spike fan, and to me, it always seemed even as a teenager watching it, I was like the showrunners are so in love with this actor they just can't bear to bark from this character and so and they spent all of these seasons and one season of angel sort of like retconning the character they'd created so that it would fit this like really charming sort of magnetic personality that james marsters has but i I think it, it yields that sense of like why does he keep having these like Rules broken for him as a demon, as a vampire, as someone who doesn't have a soul, who now has a chip, and then doesn't have a chip but has a soul. Like it always struck me as like very plot oriented that like, we just need to figure out a way to keep him here. Um,
0: yeah, I that's mean, just... I, I think I do think you're right. Like I think um, you know our guest Kirsten White, who has is writing the new like Slayer book. Um, she even said that Spike and Harmony are two characters that, like, really do break those rules. Like, they should have been staked the second or third time they encountered Buffy as vampires. (laughs) Um, And, you know, Ira Madison said when he was on that Spike, he thought Spike was a symptom of, well, we really like this actor. He's popular. We got to keep him around. Um, Yeah. And I do think, like, it's weird, because when I watched season five when it aired, I hadn't watched season four. I came back because I knew willow was gay now and i was like oh my god there's a gay character on buffy i'm definitely coming back to it um and i still was only like watching like i hadn't started fully taping every new episode on my, my vcr until season six um, no
3: fan you are no fan <laughs> and, <laughs> and, like,
0: and like i remember being annoyed at buffy with all her back and forth and watching it now for the podcast it, it's like the writing is very back and forth with buffy and spike mm-hmm. right because sometimes yeah. it's like why is she being so mean to him he did just help her But then other times it's like, oh, he has her chained in his fucking basement. Like,
4: (laughs) Yeah. So I do have trouble
0: reconciling those spikes because when, like, this episode, I love Spike. You know, Spike is going to, I think he is going to leave flowers for Joyce to pay his respects because Joyce was nice to him. You know, Joyce, Mm -hmm. I feel like Joyce, Tara, and Dawn always, like, just treated him like regular. And the rest of them were always, like, very hot and cold with him, whereas Xander's just always mean to him. Um, yeah, and
3: I always felt that Tara probably treated him nicely because she would for so many years, thought that she was a demon.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, mm. that's, I, yeah, I, I just think Tara's default is nice, right? Like, I don't think she's yeah. someone, I think she's just, you know, that she has such a tenderness about her, which I think is probably mostly due to Amber Benson.
1: And also, Tara has never encountered Spike when he's not had the chip. That's right. right. So, yeah. again, yes. like Dawn, she's always- He's not a threat to her. As, yeah, yeah. Um, but we'll get back to Spike in a little bit, because I, I want to hear your guys' um, thoughts on what his motivations are for helping Dawn. But before we get to that, um, we have the morning of the funeral. We have that really haunting image of Buffy and Dawn sitting alone in their rooms. And when I was watching that, I was like, oh, it, it's like they're sitting there waiting for their mum to tell them to get ready. Ugh. Yeah. It's it's so, it's and, and and we see it over and over again in the episode, we see how separate and disconnected Buffy and Dawn are from each other.
3: And it's just so sad. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's, it, it pans across all these old black and white photos of total randos. Who are those people? Who are those uh, people? <laughs> that are apparently people that are in their family that are not going to show up at this funeral? I don't know. Right. But you, know uh, who does show up, you know who does show up at the funeral? A woman in a black hat who looks a lot like Joyce. With a child. I there's a little child, yeah. a little child with a mother at the funeral. And that seems like such a strange detail to have asked for during Extras casting. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, we need we need a mother with a little child. I mean, I get kind of why, as like this emphasis of Buffy and um, Dawn scene that, like, you know, there's a mom here with her kid and we're here with our mom, but in a very different way. Um, but also it, it ties into Anya's speech
1: later on about how birth and death, you know, yeah. kind of are this yeah, cycle. Yeah. And once again, Anya with the voice of profundity. Mm-hmm. Um, well, my, my sex favorite. and death,
2: not birth and death. Well, but sex she says death. she but, relates yeah, like sex to
1: creating life. <laughs> sorry. Yeah. Cre- creating life, yeah. yeah, I think is how she puts it. Um, so yeah, so we have that, that montage where you see the, the dirt going into the grave and yeah. it's sort of phased over Buffy's face. And it's really very sort of, it's like the corniest like funeral scene. And yet I still tear it up. Yeah. No, yeah. same. Yeah. And then you see people kind of walk away one by one. Um, and Tara, once again, after this, the, the body being the intermediary of grief and going and being the person who says to Buffy, like, well, "We're we're going to go now. I
4: thought that um, was so
3: important, too, because otherwise you would think that'd be Willow, you know, but Tara, the one who kind of understands. Right. What Buffy's going through is the one yeah. that addresses her. Although
1: Dawn is a little shit to her later when she says, "You don't understand." It's like, oh yes, my gosh, she I does. know, I know. Yes, she
3: does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have issues with that scene, but we'll get there. I but mean, yeah. <laughs> it seems that Dawn seems kind of regretful to leave buffy alone when she's leaving with willow and tara but at the same time earlier she said when she said i'm gonna go to willow and tara like that seemed out of spite towards buffy yes
0: oh no i totally think i think it was <laughs> i think she
1: she wants buffy to say no but uh, dawn stay, no, with me. stay here and buffy, just, yeah. and buffy just doesn't say that until the end
0: yeah also do we think buffy just said she was gonna wait because she wasn't like what do we think do we think she didn't tell anyone angel was coming um cause that's what I that, like upon like re watching rewatching it for this podcast, I actually was like, oh wait, I think I just always thought like they all knew Angel was in town, but then I was like, oh, they never actually she never tells anyone, so
3: no it, one ever mentions that yeah i'd like that. to I'd like to right. think that he just showed up for her, like nobody else knew
0: <laughs> i I think so too,
3: yeah,
2: yeah, like the, you know, the, she was it, there waiting, and then Angel showed up because he knew she would be there still,
3: yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs>
4: Um, <laughs> so I also,
3: I, I also thought it was interesting that um because again i'm this person that at the funeral buffy wears white and don wears black
0: yeah
2: yeah
3: like maybe to emphasize that they're you know going about this in very different ways or whatever but
2: who knows and and also to stress that buffy has probably the best coat <laughs> yeah. fashion sense of everyone the show. <laughs>
1: was looking at that outfit because I am currently it's October I'm shopping for winter coats and that is a look
4: <laughs> yes,
1: right I, like obviously definitely. every week every week on Slayer Fest there's a, there's a, a, a conversation about best outfit and the too. roll neck and then the, the long like beautiful coat I would wear that now
3: yeah. Well, in the at the funeral Tara wears a long red leather jacket and a ponytail. And I think she looks kind of amazing. It's <laughs> very yeah. Delia's catalog.
1: You can tell that's Tara like dressing nice. Yeah. Yes,
0: right.
1: <laughs> She's like, "Oh, I'm going to a funeral. I'm going to wear like my good leather coat."
0: <laughs> <laughs> I also wanted to make my case for I think this evolution of Angel and Buffy's relationship is my favorite version of their relationship. Oh, Me too, I have
1: so many thoughts about this. Because Um,
0: I'm not always 100% sold, you know, especially rewatching it, you realize, you know, there's like, they're only officially dating for like five episodes before he turns (laughs) evil. Um, And, you know, in season one, they they don't like, they have kind of like a spike in Buffy where she's annoyed that he's there. There's never, like, she's not like, until she kisses him, and then they date for five episodes, and then he turns evil. But I love this. I love him coming to comfort her, him giving her like a brief hiatus from like taking you know the weight of the world on her shoulders like i don't know um i think what does that say that we
3: like buffy and angel when they're only together for like five minutes
0: (laughs) it's i mean this is like a precursor
1: to the scene where he shows up right at the end of season seven right it's they are they are they are better apart and she is she's a grown-up now her priorities have shifted and that's what i really like about this when he says like basically she she jokes oh like i'm seriously needy right now i need you to be here forever and then she's like no no like you have to go i need to be a grown-up and it's it just it shows how far she's come you know and it. and also it kind of it sets up in the gift. She says, "Oh, I loved Angel, and I had to sacrifice him, but I love Dawn even more, and that's the line I'll never cross." And it, it just, it, it's great to sort of bring in Angel, a character from when the show was a very different kind of show in the first three seasons, to show mm-hmm. how much she has progressed as a character. And then also when they have that like, kiss and the Christoph Beck close your eyes theme plays. And oh like, yeah. oh! <laughs> yeah, And I was, I was, I was,
4: like like, I was like,
1: this romantic thirteen-year-old again. <laughs>
3: Like you said, that is the second time that the title, of the episodes mentioned, and it's in a very different context. Yeah,
0: Buffy deserves this, right? Like, she deserves to have the like first love of her life come, like, coddle her. You know, let her vent and make out. Like, she deserves that. Like, at the very least, yeah. she deserves that.
1: I think it's the most likable angel has ever been in this in this show. Yeah, because he's just there yeah. for her. He's not bringing her his angsty bullshit. He's just like, I I, I know that you need someone. <laughs> I will
2: be there for you. Oh, but his angsty bullshit is so adorable. <laughs> I'm a big. I'm. I'm such a. I'm such a sucker for Angel. I feel like you talk <laughs> a lot about about your dating life. <laughs> oh, I I do think that it, it says a lot about me. But I but I do think that like that the moments that work best between Buffy and Angel is when the impossibility of them being together is sort of a known fact, and that's mm-hmm. sort of like the that the the acknowledgement. Like, I think back to the the angel episode where you know buffy goes and he's sort of cured of his vampirism yeah. and sort of like they have this like one brief amazing beautiful day and then he has to sort of unwife i forget what happens but like he needs to like undo it and i think those moments of like that bittersweetness of like what they could have been but they will never be that's what i i think that's what i yeah. love and i, I think that's yeah. it's, it's it's when the two of them shine the bad <clears throat> characters
0: yeah i actually totally agree with that yeah um and I and I think, I mean clearly, I mean we know this. The actors really care about each other, and I think that shows. Like I don't think David Boreanaz is all that great, um, but I think he's really shines in his scenes with Samira Geller. Yeah, he's
1: really good at being tall. Yeah,
0: <laughs> I mean mm-hmm. the same way. I think him and Eliza Dushku have like really good. My God, yes. Like I don't, I don't even want them. It's not like I ship them or anything, but I think they have really good chemistry together. Like when they're on screen together and the characters themselves work so well together. Uh, yeah, he, he works well when he has like, I don't know. I, and then he works well, like with Buffy or Cordelia or faith and not always in a romantic way, but those are the like actors that he has the best chemistry with. I don't so know.
3: maybe you do like him, <laughs>
0: <laughs> but I don't like him. That's why I don't like angel season one. Cause for me, it's just him doing law and order oh. but with demons. And I'm like, pfft.
2: They had not figured out what they wanted to do or they had, but they realized that it was, it was a mistake and, they were like, so oh, course, we need like, to
0: use Cordelia more.
2: Yeah, and obviously, I, like, I don't know why that was not, like, page one of the script. Uh, I
1: recently started an Angel rewatch, and I got as far as episode two where the metaphor of the demon of the week was STDs, and I was just
2: like, no, <laughs> I, need,
1: no I can't. i yeah. I can't.
2: <laughs> just skip, skip to season two.
1: Just skip ahead to the Faith two-parter, and then go straight into season two. <laughs> yeah. Oh, oh
2: yeah.
0: yeah. I do think season season three and five are my favorite seasons of Angel. I think season three has a really cohesive story. It's true.
3: Um, I will watch any episode with Fred and Harmony. The Harmony episodes are so
0: good. Opinion. Anyway, getting back to Buffy. Um, <laughs> so then
1: what's it? Philip, where where are we? <laughs> so there's, there's a scene where Anya and Xander are in bed together. Right. Uh, and oh, she there's has the one before bell. that, though. Um.
3: Don Dawn, Dawn, that... Dawn is at Willow and Tara. Oh, oh, right. it's her oh yelling at yes.
1: Them. yes. Yes, that's right. So is that when she's saying that she wants to cast a spell to bring her mom back?
3: Mm-hmm. Yeah, like Tara's attempting humor, like saying like we're witches, we know stuff, and it's like surely you can help Dawn in a better way than a patronizing <laughs> little quip. Um, I,
1: again, like, is is that like one of those instances of Dawn being written as like ten as opposed yeah. to fourteen? It, it's it, yeah,
3: and, yeah. But and Dawn she, says she mm. does want to bring Joyce back in the scene.
1: Yes, that's right. And then and then and then the you have like the two differing viewpoints from Tara. And Willow. So Tara's position is that it goes against the laws of the nature of nature and the philosophies of their craft. While Willow's just thinking about the practicalities because it's that kind of sort of damning inquisitiveness that she's always had, where she's like, "Well, if I could, maybe I, you know, like, oh." And um, and it sort of shows like she has that arrogance of like, "I could, but maybe I shouldn't." You know what I mean? Yeah. Um casts, so is sows the seeds for the big fight with Tara in a few weeks' time, but then also for the the spell that she'll perform at the beginning of season six
2: it's fascinating that we have that conversation between these two characters that will then have to revisit that same debate and that same sort of being torn between letting things lie and then needing to return or needing to bring the person you love the most. Um, and that in every three, three, th- th- three times that we see it, like they each have like a very different sort of outcome.
0: Yeah. 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 Um, and I, this is like where I do get mad at Dawn, right? Because I'm like, can you not lash out at your cool aunts <laughs> that like you're staying at their place? And like one of them also has lost her mother. So she does understand like, and also grew up in like a terrible fucking family what they're doing here. I mean, they're showing like an accurate portrayal of grief, right? Like it's, you lash mm-hmm. out, you don't know what you're doing. You're mad at the world. You're mad at everything. Um, yeah, I mean like I get what they're doing, but I just still am like, Don, don't yell at Tara. Tara's the sweetest. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so then we get Anya and Xander post-sex talking about life and death and Joyce. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, this is such
3: a weird. This is such a weird scene to me because just the idea of Anya as a mother um, <laughs> after after seeing how she plays the board game Life. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, she this wants to exchange very- them for money, like it's
4: called character development
2: development. (laughs) it does but also i is she really talking about motherhood i feel like the, the the language sort of suggests that she is but i think there's a there's a sort of a grander sense like i don't think she sees herself as wanting to be a mother as much as she sees she sort of understands this like cycle of life and death and that they're the reason humans are guided even though they are mortal is because this idea of reproduction but like it never strikes me that she's saying that she wants to be a mom. She I loves mean, the power.
0: Yeah,
3: that's definitely how Xander takes it, though. He's like,
2: uh-huh.
3: right? But she, ex- ready she, ex-
0: for that. she explicitly says creating life, and then she says, "I'm not ready for that with you right now, but I could be." Right. I feel
1: that's indicative of I mean there's a similar well not similar but a sort of thematically similar scene with Willow and Tara where Willow is journaling and she says that she wants to you know take more time and take stock and remember every moment with Tara and it's it's like and this and it, this is what happens when someone that you know dies it makes you think about right. who you are and where you are in your life right now and you do have this kind of moment where you have to take stock and I feel like uh, for Anya that's she's taking stock of her, her mortality and how far she's mm-hmm. come and how much she's, un- and even just last week in the body, how much more she understands what it is to be human. And Willow is, you know, she's, she's going in to see her mum more often, as she said earlier in the yeah. episode, and she's, she's just, yeah, she's being more mindful about, she knows how short life can be and how, how quickly it can be taken away. And so I sort of take it as like, you've got all of these characters who are in this episode taking stock before the rest of the season kind of, you know, starts barreling away.
0: Right. right yeah um then we get more of buffy and angel which i you know we already talked about and mm-hmm. i love um i wanted to know how everyone felt about the kiss though i mean i love it just because i'm like yes please she deserves this like more even if they had had sex i'd be like she deserves this sex like fuck. <laughs> <laughs>
1: I I liked it but I think I liked it for all the reasons that we said I liked it because you know it's not going to lead to them being Mm star-crossed lovers again it's just a moment of solace in this kind of you know bleak bleak time in her life and he's just being there for her and whether that's you know sort of kissing her or just holding her there's kind of there's no expectation that it's going to lead to anything more and I think that's very grown up
3: yeah I think that like for me, if I were in Buffy's headspace, I'd be like, "Oh, I do not need to deal with this right now." If if, if this happens, like, yeah, there's no way. She is the one that kind
1: of pushes him away. Ultimately, you know, she's yeah. the one that's like, even though she's like, "Oh, I'll stay f- a few more moments with you," but ultimately, she's the one. She's like, "No, I have to get back to my life. I have to get back to being the
3: Slayer and the the big sister and the caregiver." I think yeah. it's also um, referring back to the title a little bit. It's like her her knowing that this shouldn't happen is like. Indicative of you know nothing lasts forever, and so yeah, I think she's thinking about the permanence and finality of everything, and being like, oh yeah, our relationship, no, that's that's not good.
2: <laughs> Manuel, what did you think about the kiss? <laughs> I I I love the kiss, and I think it, it's again because since it's framed as like they just have this one night together, really because he has to leave obviously by yeah. by sunrise or needs to get somewhere before the sun comes up. That they this the, as Philip was saying, this understanding that sort of like. This isn't leading anywhere else. This isn't opening a can of worms. This isn't just like us rehashing anything. I think that the kisses are very mature and like it's more. I'm gonna love you forever, but in a very different way. Like that you've become something else, Uh, and then my tears start crying. Yeah. yeah. Oh my god, swooning, swooning over David Boreanaz again. (laughs) Yeah, I really like this version of their relationship.
0: Um, I actually like this scene better than the, ne- the next time we see them together in season seven. Like, I like this better than him kind of, like, being jealousy.
2: And because this time we didn't get a stupid cookie metaphor. metaphor. Uh, I like I that, that cookie line. metaphor. I hate that line
4: so
0: much. <laughs> <laughs> I will voice the same concern, I the same, uh, like, vague problem I have with this scene as I did in season seven um, when I watched it live, like... I don't understand why Buffy isn't like, yes, you need to stay here and help me with this giant ass problem. Like she, it's like, I get that she's dealing with her mom, but also it's weird that she didn't say like, oh, also there's a hell God in town who keeps beating me up. Like, can you help? (laughs) This episode is really interesting in that it tries to sort of
1: juggle the serialized glory plot, but not have it interact with the grieving plot. Mm. And I I noticed actually for the first time when I was rewatching today that, this kind of confirms that um, the dawn retcon affects the entire world outside of Sunnydale because right. when she mentions yeah. dawn, Angel isn't like who dare.
4: Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> he, he, he he knows, and so yeah, that was just like a little thing that I, I'd never really noticed before. But yeah, you were like, okay, yeah, this is woman who wears like you know, mini dresses and kicks my ass. Can can you help, please? (laughs) Yeah, like anything you can do. (laughs) Speaking of, so the next scene after that, we are nearly 20 minutes into the episode and we get Ben
2: oh right yeah dreamy dreamy ben <laughs>
1: it's like oh it's it's just so funny seeing frank from how to get away with murder as like a little yeah md twink um <laughs> a
2: little 90s late 90s uh, twink, yeah and he's got he's got like, the 90, he's
1: got like the 90s dawson creek hair and it, it, it does yeah. it for
3: me
2: it,
1: it did at the time and it's it, i'm 31 years old it does it for me still
2: um <laughs> <but> it, <laughs> did anybody so- notice the
3: name of the building that the medical building he passes no it's the cosby building really oh, oh <laughs> yeah God.
0: Oh, and it's, it's in
3: the lower right, right as he walks past it before he runs into Jinx. Huh. Oh, yeah. I did not notice that. <laughs>
0: um, anyway. So I feel like I didn't remember that. I think I just thought Glory knew the key was a person. Like, I had forgotten that, but like, she didn't. Like, I thought, like, she knew it was a person. She just, you know, knew it was a person in Sunnydale, but didn't know where or Who? True. You know?
1: But that's what makes it this, it's kind of like one of those plot things where you're like, oh, wow. So was Glory just like walking through like the supermarket, <laughs> picking up cans of beans, being like, are you my
4: key? Well,
3: <laughs> she says that later in the episode. She, yeah. she says, you know, we know it's a person now. It could have been a log. It could have been a bike, <laughs> yeah. you know, bumper, which leads me to wonder why the monks didn't make the key into like a grain of sand. <laughs>
2: like, <laughs> yes. But yeah, it's a, I also had, I also didn't remember that like, this was a realization Again, it's because I probably like always skip this episode and sort of go to the next ones where like it's all about Glory trying to find who the person is and who the key is. It's Ben who slips up and tells Jinx, right? Right. Yeah. And
4: then and he
3: innocent. has
1: no chill when he's trying to ca- when he's trying to cover up his lie. He's like, oh yeah, no, it's definitely not a person. I didn't mean to right. say that. Right. Like, <laughs>
3: He also calls in this scene, he calls Glory his sister, and I've never understood this. If there was like some demon god that possessed my body, I wouldn't be like, hey, sis. Yeah. Um, and <laughs> well, I think like that, that's obviously F- just like this fake out, I think, that they tried to do with the show is like, oh, they're brother and sister. But I don't, I've well, never understood why he would refer to her this way.
1: But we've already seen him transform yeah. into Glory at this
3: point. Right. So. But that's what I mean. So why still say, like, I don't know.
1: This is this is my thing. It's like have they always only ever like interacted via the lackeys? Because they if they occupy the same physical space at the same time, they can't have a conversation. So how right. does he how does he know who she is? Has and like oh yeah, there's so many questions there.
3: Well, but I also think that by calling <laughs> him calling her his sister, I remember watching this when it aired thinking like, Oh, so is he a god? You know, mm. masquerading around. Right. As, well, with that like, hair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the hair is the only thing that kind of doesn't do it for me there with him. I could get rid really- of the <laughs> hair is very
0: of the time. I think I had that same. idea Yeah. Didn't we all? <laughs> um, yeah. Also, yeah. I. It, it's weird because like right, that would have worked if we hadn't already seen Glory transform into Ben. Like him saying sister, would be like okay. They're still trying to be cryptic about it, but like, why are they doing that at this point? Um, like, why isn't he like literally just like, Oh, the demon God inhabiting my body like that. I want to get the fuck out. Like
3: maybe at this point in the show, they still didn't know what they were doing with Ben and thought that maybe he, you know, he could be some sort of way to help them or that he could be supernatural, but that's not really how it pans out.
0: Yeah. Right. The next scene I think is what is is them waking up in Willow's dorm. Right. Yeah. Um, I wanted to point out, and this is really weird. Um, and I don't know if it's because Hulu mixes the ratios, but when I watched it on Hulu, there's very clearly a crew member sitting next to the bed.
4: <laughs> oh uh, yeah. yeah.
0: Yeah. And like looking I like screenshot it and was like, wait a minute. I like kept rewinding it because I was like, what the fuck is that? Um because like right if this were Twin Peaks, it'd be like, oh yeah, there's supposed to be a guy sitting there in frame. <laughs> <laughs> well, you guys talked
3: about this on the previous episode, but like, yeah, on on Hulu they show kind of like the widescreen and there's some there's some boom mic moments that take you right out of joyce's death
0: so what did we think about do we think don do we think willow was just misguided or just like really stupid to have that book inch out
1: oh i feel like it's this character trait that we're getting more and more with willow where she just thinks she knows best because she's always been the smart one so she thinks that she doesn't have to examine her own
0: actions because she never there's never a Right? We never get a, like, oh, she has to think about what she did, where they almost raised the mom. Well,
1: so, yeah, later on in the episode, when Tara calls Buffy to tell her what, what Dawn's doing, there's no scene where she's like, Willow, what the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> like, that's my baby sister, and it, like you've got her, like, casting black magic spells in her
3: room. I would it's assume sort of that like... to, to keep the peace, Tara was probably like, um... We think Dawn's trying to resurrect yeah, yeah. her. She wouldn't
2: have mentioned Willow. <laughs>
3: of course, but I think... Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: But it, to me, to me, it also read, like, that Willow so underestimated Dawn. Right. Rather yes. like that she thought, like, oh, maybe she'll just read about it and it'll feel better. Like, yeah, I don't yeah. think... She would never imagine that, like, she would actually go ahead and, like, find the spell and begin her kleptomania and then get help from Spike. Like, there were so many steps that, like, Willow was not thinking. Because, again, yeah, she was there's... just, like... I just wanted to coddle her so like she wanted the book so she wanted to know a little bit more so here you go.
3: The way that they handled the ability to do magic on the show is so interesting because you know earlier this season Buffy did her first I think her first spell by herself um, to pull the curtain back so she could see what was affecting Joyce and Dawn now does a spell in this episode to resurrect Joyce and it's like Shouldn't that be like at least a level five witch? That can like resurrect <laughs> no, a person. Well, I mean, it, it, it's interesting. I think because in this might be like, called back, but in the Zeppo, <laughs> that, guy oh, Jack, that guy Jack that guy Jacks says he was resurrected by his grandpa so soon after his death that nobody was able to tell he was a zombie. And so hmm. I don't understand why this is not addressed slightly as like, like you know, she, you know, it's so soon after her death, she could, you know, you might be able to resurrect her and she could be fine, maybe not. Like, I don't know, they they kind of just go all over the place with that, but I guess that's not the point. Um, the whole point of the scene for me was like, what the fuck, Willow, what are you doing?
1: <laughs> I feel like this episode relies on so many grown-ups kind of just not really paying attention in order for more right. to get away with this. Like, in the next scene where she's dusting oh, yeah. the magic box, Jazz comes off as kind of a dummy here. Right,
4: yes,
0: I'm like... You, wh-
1: <laughs> you, you've got this teenage, rebellious teenage girl who's gone through trauma and has lost her mother, saying so, like, where's, like, the dangerous magic stuff? <laughs> Just, you know, so I know where <laughs> not to
4: go. Oh,
3: the yeah. only way I can reconcile that is that, like, he's probably thinks he's, he probably thinks he's helping her by distracting her, and it did seem slightly busy in the magic box.
4: <laughs> they
0: had, like, so, one customer for a change, yeah.
3: <laughs> maybe he's right. distracted
0: yeah that scene I feel like it's a nice break right getting Anya saying because uh, the previous Anya she scene she gets to
1: fondle the money <laughs> yeah <laughs> like <laughs> yeah that just cracks me up the way she says her choice of the word fondle
4: fondle
1: <laughs> I am unthreatened
0: <laughs> I like Anya like we see her get annoyed and then Giles says Anya and then we see her face change and she moves her hands and is like, "Okay." You know, I'm glad you find my job distracting, which is like kind of shitty, but I liked seeing her be like, <laughs> this is, I'm going to comfort gone. Right. I'm going to be good about this. And even when she's like, she gets to fondle the money, she's like, stops and is like, oh, there's a customer. Like, I appreciate that we get at least some funny scenes in this episode. Um, since like, you know, the last, if we're like, if you're binge watching the show, the last like nearly hour and 40 minutes have been pretty miserable. Um, yeah. with like no I, laughs.
3: I think the funniest thing in this scene is and it it like really irks my ocd is that there's these ancient (laughs) ancient dangerous dusty books on the same shelves as collapsible cardboard ikea boxes but whatever i guess that's how you organize the magic box
4: yeah
0: (laughs) (laughs) um yeah, and so also I wanted to applaud Dawn. She's become such a good liar.
2: <laughs> yeah. For teenagers, you know, they just they pick that up real quickly. She's she's become maybe a good because, scammer.
3: Maybe because she was created with this energy regarding uh false memories, it's just like second <laughs> nature to oh, her. Oh
4: comes naturally, yeah yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: Uh then we get um is the next scene the next scene I think is Dawn's at the cemetery with spike yeah.
1: I think. Oh, collecting the dirt from the grave.
0: Yes, right. And this is um, Manuel. I think you're right. Like they're doing, they're doing some. What did you use? The, what was the term you use
2: about Spike? We were. They were doing some rehab, right? Yeah. Like character rehab. Um, and that a lot of it is sort of very, very obviously tied to Dawn and Spike. Because then you get right, like then they're they have their own little sort of like adventures throughout the rest of the show. Yeah. Uh, not just the season, but like following and right, like he calls her a little bit, and yeah. he's sort of like a, the fun uncle that he that she goes to when, you know, she's like, she's she yelled yet again, and she needs to like do another spell or just run away, and like so I'm gonna go to fun uncle spikes um, place <laughs> and to hang oh, out blo- and watch TV. Blooming, on-
3: blooming onion potluck.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> so I just want to ask you guys, what do you think Spike's motivations are for helping Dawn? Because we know that he he liked Joyce, um, and and we know that he doesn't want Buffy to to know that he was involved,
3: but he must know that this is a really really bad idea. I don't know that he knows that. I, <laughs> um, I, I don't know if this is on point or not. But the thing that went through my head was that I felt it was important that we're seeing that Dawn's need to have Joyce back isn't childish. Like, that's just how some people... That's just how some people grieve, is, like, they really want this person back. They'll do anything to get them back. They don't know what to do. That's not symptomatic of her age. And I think Spike wants to help her because it's potentially also how he deals with it as well. Like, Well, he did
1: bring his own mother back from the the dead. Exactly. (laughs) And so,
3: (laughs) Joyce is like... And that
1: that went so well.
3: (laughs) Right. Joyce is... um, the only person that really was kind of just nice to him for not much of a reason. And um, I think that part of it is he knows that having her back would, he thinks, make Buffy and Dawn happy. Yeah. Um, and plus he's Spike. He's kind of, he's he's still bad. <laughs> <laughs> and can I just say, he looks fine as hell in this
1: episode. He really does.
3: Uh, yeah, let I me tell I you. I don't always get it. I don't
1: always get it. But like, I don't always get the Spike thing. But oh, he just, yeah, there's something about, in this episode, particularly.
0: Um, that, yeah. I So, I mean, I've always been a pretty big Spike person. Um, but when Spike is not being, like, chaining someone to his basement to tell them he loves them, when he's... I think he genuinely... I agree with you, Terry. I think he genuinely wants to help. Also, I wanted to point out, Philip, I have this exact question in my notes, the question that you asked. Um, Aww. But I, host. I know. Um, but I think... <laughs> Spike is at his most attractive when he's not being obsessive about Buffy and he's caring... Like, for me, watching him with Dawn makes me want to have sex with Spike because I'm like, look how good he's being with her. And It's like, like it's like when you see a hot guy with a baby. Yeah, even <laughs> though she's, like, not a baby. But, like, I know, like, watching she it... know well like my hoveries. <laughs> right? Like, watching it, you know he's not trying to, like, do anything seedy with her. You know he's not trying to, like, kill her or have sex with her. He's literally... Just helping her. And even if you see it as he's doing it to get to Buffy, for Dawn, he's literally helping her. He's watching out for her. they have the only action scene in the whole episode together. And watching him be so like sweet with her, I'm like, ugh. Well, My maybe there is something off. about
3: Spike because seeing Angel with a baby definitely doesn't do that to me. <laughs> <laughs> well,
2: this is fascinating because like it's fascinating that we've we've chastised Willow for being so nonchalant about the book, but then seem to be so okay with spike helped mm-hmm. Don actually execute the plan it's because we expect more of Willow. willow
3: is, yeah exactly we expect some well
2: more. and willow is not a hot man um yeah.
3: <laughs> a hot white
2: and i and a hot, yeah but, and, and i think that's exactly what the writers were doing i actually am all the mind they like i don't think there's a reason spike is doing this like i don't like there's no reason why knowing the consequences of bringing people back from the dead knowing what he knows being alive for so long knowing how fragile dawn is knowing how there's no way this is going to come out well like there's no reason he should do this other than making all of our broveries like quiver and want to have sex with him
0: um okay one Manuel. (laughs) (laughs) so the reason so i gave this argument before on the podcast so my thing with spike is in the rules of the show he doesn't have a soul and as, like, a grumpy atheist in a Supernatural show, I can buy that a soul is a real thing. It's, like, a incorporeal real thing, though. Like, they make very... They go to great lengths in this show to tell you that a soul is a real thing, and Spike doesn't have one. So, for me, Willow does have a soul. But also, I'm still not that mad at Willow. I still just think it's, like... <laughs> I understand, as someone who, like... I, I think Willow, a lot of her shittiness that we get and that leads to her, like, addiction and recovery storyline, which doesn't quite fully land for me, but whatever. I think a lot of that comes from her being, like, used to being the nerd and wanting to be a people pleaser uh, as, like, someone who also was, like, a giant nerd and later on in life, like, wants to be a people pleaser, although probably none of my exes would agree with me. (laughs) Um, (laughs) Like, I think that's why she does that, because she wants to, like, make it better, and that's, like, the only way she knows how to, is to, like, use magic... Because either she's doing research or using magic. And, you know, we get this when she turns evil and she's like, oh, stupid, nerdy willow, like blah, blah, blah. And like in season three, when she's referred to as like old yeller uh, or old reliable uh,
3: or old faithful.
0: Yeah. And like, I, I think that's where all this comes from. And for me with Spike, he doesn't have a soul. So like he doesn't have a soul, but he's still there. To help Dawn even if it's not even if there's no motivation he's still there and he gets those eggs with her and he does the fighting for her he gets bit by the Gora demon for her he when she drops the egg and I audibly went oh my god Dawn like yeah <laughs> <and, laughs> like, it's such a dog thing single. to do like right like I'm just like Oh, come on I would love seeing Dawn with, like, a
3: huge cardboard egg case that she, like, brought to prepare (laughs) to, like, carry this
0: thing in. Well, like, and even then, when she drops it, and she's like, no, we can't go. And he's like, all right. He goes back and fights that fucking cerebrus whatever character demon. Mm -hmm. And, like, when they're leaving, he's like, did you get it? And she's like, I did. I'm sorry. And he's like, well, if you got it, don't apologize. And he means it. And for me... (laughs) That's the moment immediately when my pants melt off and I'm like, Spike, I love you so much. Oh my God,
1: bitch, same. It's it's when he's fighting the demon for her and he says like, well, if you got it, don't be sorry. I was just like, oh, I'm not sorry either. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, Spike could devil my eggs is what I'm
0: saying. (laughs) Oh my God. Um, But yeah, Manuel, so like back to your point of that, that's for me, those are like, because of the rules of the show and Spike doesn't have a soul, that's where like, the people with a soul i put a little bit more on them even though we they are a little bit blurred with what the soul means because like clem Mm -hmm. never does anything evil aside from like play poker with kittens
3: for me it's the personality it's it it, you know the personality is probably the soul in my opinion like clem has a personality yeah (laughs) that dominates any kind of demonic craziness that he I'm sorry. Are you saying that Drusilla does not have a
1: personality?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I, I yes, I am. <laughs> wow, Ooh. I'm getting
1: I'm getting on a plane. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Evil Willow, Vampire Willow is what Drusilla wishes she was.
2: Ooh, Ooh. Harsh. Ooh. Oh, oh, shots uh, of so, fire. I think so I think anyway. what, I think what we're getting at. I think what we're getting at, and I think the show just does a really good job. Is it creates all these moments where we're encouraged to give. Spike some slack, yeah, yeah. and it's very yeah. successful in doing that. Yes, that was my point.
0: Yeah. Then we get Giles listening to. I had to oh look up what the song was <laughs> because, of course, I don't know. Tales Tale of, of Ulysses. Yeah.
4: Well. <laughs> <And it's, laughs> Sorry.
1: It's the, it's the record he was play. he played to joyce in band candy and and i I mean what i love about this scene is it it's so ephemeral it adds nothing to the plot
4: right but i'm Mm -hmm. so
1: glad that it's there because it speaks to that kind of pseudo relationship he had with joyce where they were almost like co-parents to buffy Mm
4: -hmm.
1: and it speaks to that um it kind of expresses the myopia of teenage grief where Buffy and Dawn lost their mother and they're still in the in the middle of that. And they're unable to see right now that Joyce's loss is felt by other
3: people too.
0: Right. Like
1: no one's asked Giles if he's okay. You know what I
3: mean? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. I, it's such, it's so short, but it's important that it's in there. I think. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause then we go right back to Spike and Dawn, which is a scene where Spike tells Dawn she's never allowed to tell Buffy and she doesn't tell mm-hmm. Buffy. Um,
3: I love that he says um, if Buffy found out she'd put a redwood through his chest.
0: <laughs> well, it's <laughs> true. <Money>. <laughs> <laughs> like whoa. Um, so then, so then, yeah, they fight that demon. I mean, I I skipped ahead. Up. <laughs> I, oh no, no! There's a there's a lot to get through first. Oh, yeah. So we, we, we
1: get our first sighting of oh, Glory right. in a while, right. serving full mm-hmm. on zebra print, Hallandovela fantasy. <laughs>
4: oh, I love it! It looks so And nice. then
1: oh, and when Jinx, I mean, my, my, what I loved about this was when Jinx comes in and she's like acting really concerned and she's like, "Oh no, oh no, mind the rugs, honey. Blood's a bit." Yeah, just, without missing. Yeah. It, I <laughs> love that. Part so much. <laughs> I was just like, oh, I feel like after it, it, it's it's like a tonic to have Glory. I, I just had in my notes, Glory pulling out her own hair and screaming, I hate you, is me reading Twitter at
4: any <laughs> given moment. <laughs>
3: oh, it needs to be a gift. It needs to be a gift. Uh, duh, of course Ian, it is. Ian, Ian.
4: <laughs> Get on that. I'll tweet that later. Um,
0: <laughs> yeah, I I just, this scene is like a nice, like, like, right, it's like nice. It's like, good, we're back to Glory. We're getting like, and it's also reminding us of the plot, right? Because we haven't gotten yeah. Glory it's reminding us, oh, right, there's this hell demon. Also, also, there's a hell demon in town who's looking to kill Dawn and Buffy and everyone. <laughs> uh, and yeah, she looks fantastic. I love when Jinx is on the couch and he's like struggling to compliment her um, because he's dying. <laughs> like, I don't know, it's really good. And her being like, I'm going to allow you, What I forget the word she uses when he's like leaning on her and she's like, on the account of you dying, I'm going to allow this. Yes, yeah. yes she's just and then
2: she ends and then she ends by saying okay i'm gonna need you to like fix him up and then i need you to tell me the story again because i need to hear it with all your whimpering <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> i didn't realize how much i needed claire kramer in this episode until she was yeah. there yeah
0: <laughs> mm-hmm. um, <laughs> uh yeah so then then we get the Gordy. No, then we get
1: no we got to doc's place
0: right. And mm-hmm. the, okay,
1: so the first thing we see is a black cat walking on top of a load of books, which feels like the kind of gothic telegraphing we would have seen in season one.
4: Totally. It's like,
1: we get it, this place is spooky. Yeah. <laughs>
4: um,
1: so, Okay, another question. Do we think when this guy was written in as Doc that he would actually be the person who ends up catalyzing Buffy's death?
3: I don't, I don't know, but I do think that they... They incorporate a lot into his dialogue to indicate that he potentially knew Spike previously.
4: Right. Um, Mm. They
3: show us that he has, you know, he has blackened eyes and a reptile tail. So I think they did have some idea. (laughs) The most Buffy thing ever to have this, like, he could have been an incredibly creepy
1: one-off character or, like, it's a case of, like, they liked his performance and they liked the character so much that they were like, actually, yeah, we're going to have Dawn in the room with the man who will eventually try to kill her.
2: Yeah, yeah, but it's also like...
1: I, I I liked
4: him.
2: Yeah, but it's also like, if you're casting Joel Gray, you're mm-hmm. going to use him again. I feel like that. I, yeah. whether he was going to be set up for the gift or whether he was going to be set up for like seeing him again another, I think like you don't get an Oscar winner to like do this like bit scene and then like never use him again. See, I had like, no idea who he was. <laughs> oh yeah. <it's> like, <gasps> was I think you're, I'm I'm getting on a plane and we're going <laughs> to gate card. Flying so, over there with you. He's He's a legend, I guess is what we were saying.
0: So okay. I, I have in my notes, I didn't know who Joel Grey was till I watched it with my <laughs> one ex who was like very big into theater arts. And he was like, oh my God, that's Joel Grey. And I was like, I don't know who that is.
3: <laughs>
1: and well, life is a little bit better now.
3: <laughs> I apologize for my ignorance. Okay, moving on. When he says he recognizes Spike, he says that he likes dominoes and his hair is different and he's a vampire now. Mm. So... There's this interaction that, like, they must have had at some point. Spike has no idea. doesn't recognize him, really.
1: Which I read is... that as he's just crazy. Because he's like, oh, I thought, like, you're this guy who's, like, always on the corner playing dominoes. I mean, sure, he has different kind of color hair and you're a vampire. But I kind huh. of just read it as, like, he's completely yeah, like, loop- loopy.
3: Yeah. All right. I can accept that.
0: I, I took it. I honestly take it as both ways. Where it's supposed to be Spike and are looking at him like he's just unhinged. When in reality, he's like, oh, no, I met you, you know, 500 years ago or however many years ago. Mm, Um, And I realize I speak in superlatives. I didn't mean that as, like, an exaggeration. I mean, like, literally, like, hundreds of years ago, he could have run into Spike as a human.
3: Because they do that with Cecily and Frick and whatnot. Like, it made me be like, oh.
0: Okay.
1: Actually, you know what? I'm going to say I agree with your interpretation because if he was actually crazy, he would have known that Dawn was the key and the season would have been like 6 episodes shorter. Well, wait. There we go. <laughs> yeah. So,
0: I was going to ask you guys, do we think he knew Dawn was the key at the end of the scene when he shakes her hand, his eyes turn black and he growls, right? And I wasn't yeah. sure if that was just like, oh, look, that's that's more of showing that he's a demon or if it was like, oh, he just realized she's the key because later on he's There with Glory. I mean, we don't even know if he's there because of Glory or there just. He's a he's a disciple of
1: Glory. I'm sure there's a there's a scene at some point towards the end of the season when he says like he worships Glory.
0: Well, right, but we don't Hmm. know if she's working. Like, we don't know if he's just there because like he knows of her or if like yeah they
3: never have a scene together. Yeah, they they have no scenes together.
0: No, Hmm. but there's that
1: creepy moment in this episode where he plucks out her hair and like talks about her DNA. And there's, that, there's a whole like flashback of like, oh, the, you know, it's the summer's blood. And yeah, it, yeah, it's, yeah. it's like it's sort of it, 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 it doesn't completely connect with the rest of the season. But I like it as its own
3: weird thing. This yeah. this whole scene in his little flat. Yeah. yeah I wanted to know if anyone felt there was some sort of significance to the fact that while he after he plucks her hair and he's looking through his books, the whole time he's humming Peter and the wolf.
2: Yeah. Oh, is he? Yeah, I don't know what
3: to make of it, but I, I didn't either. I like even looked up like the story to remember what Peter Noel's story was, and I was like, "There's, I can't make a connection here," but maybe it's just something Joel Gray did to be, Joel, <laughs> Joel Gray. Yeah.
1: <laughs> well, I mean, either way, it works, you know. Yeah. Humming, humming an old an old bit of music while his tail just twitches away through his dirty bathrobe. Sure, why not? And maybe
3: because there wasn't much of a reason to have Joel Grey sing on the show, they were like, <laughs> well, just hum something. If they brought him back for the musical, that would be <laughs> great.
0: <laughs> well, also, I do think it fits in, right, because the whole thing with Buffy and Glory and Dawn, there's always, like, references to, like, old fairy tales or, like, Little Miss Muffet. And, right, that kind of fits, could fit with yeah. that stuff. Um, yeah. But, okay, so then we then we get the Dora Demon scene. I mean, I already talked a lot about it.
1: It It's sort of like, I mean, you've said this before on the podcast, Ian. It's like, oh, this is an episode of Buffy. We need a token action scene. Um, yeah. And obviously, you aren't going to get one in the body, apart from that sort of really distressing scene right yeah. at the end in the morgue. I kind of like this one. It felt like an old Ray Harryhausen film. The 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 Demon was so
3: bad, like, so, like, <laughs> cool. Yeah, it's not a person with it. makeup face. It's like a big suit. Yeah. But I also, it's got, three, it's got three heads. Okay, this is clearly a reference to the kaiju King King Ghidorah, who has three heads, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I thought it was. Like,
0: I thought, I thought it, it was Cerberus. Yeah, that's what I took it as. But I mean, both mm. work, I guess. Manuel, okay. what did you think?
2: I love in that, in that just as the little cat sort of moment, sort of harkens back to season one. The prosthetics in this monster like almost feels like a season one, season two <laughs> monster of a week. It's um, like
1: reptile oil or something, isn't it?
2: Yeah, and and it's also, like, it's so clear that, like, there's never more than, like, a two-second shot, because, like, the camera keeps moving, so that you can't, like, it's only if you're pausing to see sort of how
4: um, sort of
2: intricate and giant and sort of, like, real life, like, this is a giant puppet that someone was, like, obviously operating. Um, But it it did have a, like, old-school, old-school Buffy feel. Um, I don't know where I stand, whether it's a kaiju or whether it's a um, Serrera's dog, but I don't know. Either way, it's just like... Well, be- for me, PS because it
3: talk. was reptilian and the mm. kaiju were reptiles and Gora and Ghidorah and whatever, I was like, oh, okay, whatever. Fair. Not that it's important.
0: I mean, they usually have, like, I feel like most of the writers on the show, I mean, Joss, clearly, but I feel like all the rest of the writers were pretty nerdy. So I feel like both references, they could have been both. Yeah, they work. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so then we get Willow journaling, which I think is really cute. I put The in my- sassy boo bags. <laughs> I know, so cute. Um, it is so cute, yeah. And she almost quotes John Lennon when she talks about why she's journaling. And I couldn't, of course, I forgot. I was going to say, I couldn't find the quote, but I actually just forgot to Google the quote. Um, but whatever the John <laughs> Lennon quote is, where it's like life happens when you're not paying attention or something like that. Oh,
1: see, I read it as she was doing a really bad quote of Ferris Bueller. <laughs> like, oh, life goes by pretty fast. Mm. Something, something. Mm. Um, I mean, that that to me was like, we get it. That was like like a lot of the scenes with like, you know, Anya and Xander and Willow and Tara have shown that. You don't need to make it text. Like we get it. Yeah. It was just a bit much for me.
0: Oh, but I thought it was cute. I I see <laughs> I'm I'm such a sucker for like any cutesy Willow Tara scene. And then I'm sad because it's like, oh, but then they break up and Tara dies.
4: <laughs> yeah. Spoiler. Wait, what?
0: <laughs> <laughs> um I mean I feel the way about Anya too. Like even in that Anya Xander scene, oh. I'm like this is cute, but, but also this shithead leaves her at the fucking altar and then she gets, like, chopped in half.
2: No no character has aged worse than Xander, and I think yeah. the more, like, even rewatching watching like, that, that small scene with Spike, you're just like, ugh, Xander.
1: If this show were being made right now, Xander would have, like, a babe.net article written about him.
2: <laughs> oh, yeah.
0: <laughs> so then we had Dawn doing the spell, right? Mm-hmm. I don't know. I I mean, I noticed, like, I mean, we already said references... I mean, she talks. She literally says Osiris, and we see that later. We meet him in season six. I don't know, man. I all of it is so like, oh Jesus Christ!
1: <laughs> this final, this whole final section of the episode does so so much, and for the most part, I think it really works. So you've got like the old school horror, and then like there's so much emotional storytelling going on, and it's just like I, I cried for ten straight minutes watching it. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, and, like, when Dawn, when Buffy runs in, she says, what did you do, which is the same thing she said to Dawn when Dawn walked in the room with her, like, arms cut.
3: Oh, that's right, yeah. But what's what, like, what, 14, 15-year-old girl, when she's doing her witchcraft, doesn't lock her door <laughs> in her bedroom? <laughs> A shoddy one, obviously. <laughs> I mean, come on. I'm smart enough and good enough to resurrect my mom, but not going to lock the door.
0: Uh, so then, I don't know, everything, like, Philip, you're right. Everything that they're saying, like, it all works. But Jesus Christ, it is so miserable, this scene. I just was like, for me, I cry when Buffy, the moment, I mean, Sam Marshall Geller, i I will say this for the millionth time, deserved a fucking Emmy.
3: <laughs> when- I love her Slayer. Before they, like, comfort each other and they have this, like, big monologue, I, I wrote down in my notes, Slayer slap like, <laughs> oh, oh. can you imagine like oh, yeah. a soap
1: opera that had a slayer in it and it was like mm-hmm. slapping people across the room i would i would watch that That's
3: i could write a whole paper about this slayer slap because obviously like it's got to be difficult for buffy to contain her emotions but she knows that if she uses her full slayer strength she's gonna kill her sister
2: yeah. <laughs> like the idea of like harnessing that to the point where it's just enough the, the entire sort of beat and the way it builds and the way sort of it, it's the moment Sarah Michelle Gellar turns around and says, Mommy, again.
1: Oh, it, that callback to the body broke me. Yeah,
2: This thing that she'll wrestle with for the entire rest of the series is, like, how am I a grown-up? How am I a strong person? Like, I'm never as strong as everyone wants me to be. Um, and then in this case, it's John that has to take the sort of, like, adult role of being like, no, we need to stop this. Yeah. And so I- that, that that reversal is, is very – it's so – pretty and so beautiful and i think it's it's played really well by it's like the most grown up thing dawn's ever done
0: i think it's really important too right earlier in the season mostly it's just dawn's a brat buffy's annoyed um so it's (laughs) important that we get these scenes you know And i was made to love you we get one of the first scenes and which is sad because it's joyce's last scene alive with her daughters where Joyce is getting ready for a date, and Dawn and Buffy are literally just being sisters and, like, yeah, kind of, like, of her. teasing their mom, but, like, also, like, being cute. And it's one of the first scenes that they're just, like, a happy family where, like, Dawn isn't annoying someone. Um, mm. And I don't even say that as, like, oh, fuck Dawn. I mean, like, you know, that's how she's written for most of this season. So it's good to see a reversal of, like, she's doing this, like, reckless thing. Buffy's yelling at her for it, but then once... There's a knock on the door. Buffy like is like, "Fine, we're done with this argument. Let me let mom in." And Dawn is like, "No, you're right. I can't." And rips the well, photo. That's,
3: that's what kills me is her line delivery. Buffy's line delivery of "Who's going to take care of us?"
0: Oh, that's when I cry. And,
3: mm-hmm. and the first the first time I watched it, I did. I wasn't really clued into the fact that this is probably the exact reason why Dawn rips up the photo is that she realizes finally that they're supposed to take care of each other. Okay. Um, and that their mom, you know, can't do that forever for them. So, I found that to be really interesting. Also, maybe Don, I know a lot of people have said this and this is slightly off topic, but I feel like Don, maybe in some deep recess of her brain knows that she's partially responsible for killing Joyce considering that <laughs> Joyce didn't Joyce didn't have any kind of brain problems until all of these memories were built for her. Um, and she would be the the person that would have the most memories, I suppose, or the closest of Don. Um, but yeah, I fully believe that the energy that was used um, to create Dawn murdered Joyce. <laughs> oh, wow, that's such a that's such a dark reading. <laughs> I mean, Don doesn't know this, but sure. I mean, you know, you create life, you got to take life away, and there's this balance that happens. And you know, the the person who would have the most memories would be Joyce. Um, she would remember carrying her in the womb, and et cetera, et cetera. And so, I think that these monks had to create these memories for for Joyce. That really messed with her brain. I mean, when when Buffy does the spell to pull back the curtain, you know, it it shows Dawn. <laughs> I don't know. That's just my. <laughs>
1: um, I, I I agree that the I think the role reversal and Dawn having that moment of realization is what really sells this scene for me. Um, mm-hmm. And it kind of it got me thinking, like if if Buffy had just shown. That she was right there with Dawn the entire time. Like, you know, I mean, it takes Dawn to realize how much her big sister is suffering, and that she's been holding in and trying to be yeah. the grown up. And I feel I like know. if Buffy had actually just shared how much she was suffering too, then this she would never have gone to such lengths to to cast the spell yeah. because she would have felt that there was someone there with her. And it's this entire thing of she just felt disconnected from everybody, and that was what led her to to seek out her mother again. Um, which is why, yeah, the, the entire episode has been about showing how separate and disconnected they are from each other. And then when it ends, it ends, they are literally physically clinging onto each other and it just works so beautifully.
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Um, also, I, I feel like the summer's house has never been shot so darkly before.
0: Yeah. Not since like, Oh, one. yeah, you're right. It, it, it really so. <laughs> sells like
1: the, the horror element of it. When you see the window, it's like the monkey's paw and it's so creepy and effective.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's a
3: huge inspiration for this episode. I mean, it has to be.
4: Yeah.
0: yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah, I think that this episode, right, it's weird to say, but it's true, like, I feel like it's very horror-inspired, we just never get the horror aspect, but it's very, like, leading up, like, the first half of a horror movie or something.
1: When Buffy says the line, who's going to take care of us, and yeah. that's when yeah. you see her walking past the window, and it's just like, especially because Buffy's really infantilized in this scene, it's just so, oh, yeah, it's like, it It just, it's unnerving.
4: Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. Um. Yeah. Do you guys have anything else to say about the end of the episode, or are we at the are we at the end?
3: Um, on a on a rewatch, like I, I mean, I think I've rewatched all of Buffy like five or six times, but, um, <laughs> on this rewatch, it makes me like Dawn a whole lot more. Right. To see her, to see that you know how she how she ends this episode, um, I don't hate her so much now. <laughs>
1: I think it, I think it's important that. I think it's important that we spend so much time in Dawn's skin in this episode, sort of mm-hmm. looking at things from her perspective, rather than just if 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 the if the episode had been about Buffy learning that Dawn was casting the spell, it would have been like, oh Dawn, you know, what did you do this time? Blah blah blah. But we yeah we needed to spend that time with her in order for the ending to really work. And yeah, yeah. I, I think it's from this <laughs> moment on, you know, for the rest of the series, Dawn is more of a character. She's more fleshed out. Um, there's a line, I think, in Anya's scene where she's in bed with Xander, where she says, it feels like we're more awake now. And that's kind of true for every character. I think the stakes are so much more realistic and relatable for the rest of the season, you know, whether it's being sort of, you know, um, juggling the Slayer duties with the real life or, you know, just like the the, the very real issues of, of depression and grief and loss. I just feel like, yeah, it's like, this is the episode, maybe even more than the body, where Buffy as a character
2: and as a show grew up. Uh, that makes sense to me and i and i think this is right as i was saying earlier like that, that's why it feels like a blueprint for season six and that like how hard it is to be a grown-up um that's that then becomes the metaphor that guides the show as opposed to you know high school is a hell or yeah you know sunnydale is a hell like this is season five is to me where, where it shifts into like being a grown-up is hell and being a grown-up is hard and being a grown-up is wrestling with demons
0: So before we end, uh, Manuel, I wanted to point out that I actually name my playlists after like the playlists I make, usually I'll name them after whatever episode of Buffy we hit on the podcast. And it always reminds me of, didn't you do that with like Instagram for like a year or something?
2: I, I, there was a summer where like an entire month, every single image that I posted was captioned by an episode. So, if you scroll further back into my Instagram account, you'll see a group of 144 pictures that each of them are, like, inspired or echo or... The first ones are really easy. And then, like, bad eggs is one of those, like, I don't know what to, <laughs> <laughs> what to do. And some of them are, like, really obvious. Like, a little cocktail umbrella is um, prom, obviously. And, like. <laughs> So, follow me on Instagram and then go back to 2014 or 15 and you'll see all of them. Oh my God, was it that?
0: Have we known each other for that long?
2: It's been a while. um,
0: Great. So, now that we're at the end, favorite outfit, uh, Terry?
3: Well, because I think someone else might say, Glory's amazing zebra print with the red bra lining at the top. <laughs> I will can I say Ben's scrubs? You can
4: say No, I'm not I, say.
3: I will say Tara's ponytail and red leather like long coat. <laughs> Cuz we don't get to see her usually dressed that way and I genuinely love the like 90s Delia catalog outfitness of it. <laughs> yeah. Um,
2: Manuel? Um, for me it's the gray turtleneck and the coat the Buffy wears at the at the funeral and then for her little night night romp with Angel. All
0: right. Uh, Philip.
1: So it was almost Dawn's green table sweater, because I own that. <laughs> um, but it's actually, I feel like just Buffy's all black number at the end. Um, it's that. Mm. I feel like those looks, of, they've both dated really well. So I'm going to say both of those, yeah.
0: Oh, I thought I thought we were going to have the exact same answer, but mine is, I really like Dawn's green table knit sweater, but Glory Zebra dress wins for me. Um <laughs> All right, favorite scene, Philip?
1: Oh, It's going to have to be a tie for me, I'm sorry. Um, The the brief vignette of Giles listening to his vinyl with the whiskey, and then just that entire final scene.
2: Okay, Uh, Manuel? For me, it's, uh, again, the Buffy angel, the how about forever, how does forever sound? Um, Just because it breaks my heart. All right, Terry?
3: Um, I would have to say that it's also the scene at the end where Buffy and Dawn comfort each other.
0: Okay. For me, it's Angel and Buffy. I just, I love it.
4: <laughs>
2: um,
0: all right. And grade, Manuel?
2: I would give this a, a B plus.
0: Okay. Terry?
3: That is also what I wrote down in my notes is a B plus.
0: Philip?
1: So I am going to grade it a bit highly and go with an A-, just because when I rewatched, um, it was lovely seeing all of the work that this episode does
0: guys i have the harshest grade (laughs) (laughs) um i give it a c plus but i don't hate it i just it's it it falls in the same category for me as the body where it's like so miserable that it's not enjoyable but i understand Mm. it but for me the body there's a lot more going on right like there's a lot more of like camera work and like clearly joss put a lot of work into the body and this one is very the show doing the work of grief, but not not making it more interesting by showing, like, using different cameras and different, like, angles and stuff like that. So I say C+, but a loving C+. Um, <laughs> and I look forward to the better work they'll be putting out next time. Um... All right, so thank you both for guesting. Thank you, Philip, for guest co-hosting with me. If you all want to follow SlayerFest98 on Twitter, we are at SlayerFestX98. You can also find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. And if you like us, don't forget to subscribe to us and rate us. Uh, And if you want to follow me on Twitter, I'm at IanXCarlos. Philip, where can they find you?
1: Uh, on Twitter, I am at Philip underscore Ellis. That's Philip with one
3: L and Ellis with two.
0: And Terry, where can they find you?
3: Um, I am Terry Blass on Twitter and Instagram. And I have TerryBlass.com, which is my website.
2: Great. And Manuel? You can find me both on Twitter and Instagram at Manuel B M A N All
0: right, cool. And all right, well, thank you guys for joining us. And we'll see you all next week. Bye. 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 Bye.